This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone and welcome to another winter edition of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Just kind of doing some random content right now. The lockout is still probably in the early stages guessing at least five or six more weeks to go before any potential labor agreement is reached between the owners and the players association. So on this episode, we're kind of going to get to know the hosts a little bit. Jason Kelly will be on the hot seat. Charlie Smith and I will be asking him 20 random questions. I've got some doozies in the 10 that I'm going to ask Charlie's, uh, got some there are some baseball related ones in here so we're just killing time hanging out with you guys during the lockout Uh, we wish we were doing baseball related stuff right now but unfortunately teams aren't allowed to do any transactions at the big league level some minor league ones going on and nothing of note uh, that I can think of with the Red Sox Justin Verlander's deal went through that was weird we didn't think that was legal but but his deal has uh, gone through with the Astros. So if anybody was holding out hope, maybe Bloom might bring him in, which would be the biggest pipe dream ever. Um, yeah, so that's about all the baseball news to be had. But you guys ready to do this? I'm ready. I'm slightly nervous, but I'm ready. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. Well, Charlie, go ahead. Lead off. All right, as we probably should, since this show is typically about 99.89% of the time about baseball, what is your most memorable Red Sox moment? Oh, man. Uh, The one that always stands out to me is probably the David Ortiz home run against the Tigers. Um, The the one where Torrey Hunter went ass over tea kettle into the bullpen and the, the security officers holding his hands up. Um, that one stands out to me because I had friends at the time who worked with like Boston police and they're like, Oh, that's security guard. He should be fired for that. Do you know that? Like, he's not supposed to be watching the field. He's supposed to be watching the crowd. Like, it's so weird. Like, even when something great happens in Boston sports history, there's always a Bostonian that's like, well, you know, it wasn't supposed to be that great. Like it just, but that home run was so iconic and it was really David Ortiz just really solidifying himself as the greatest clutch hitter in in baseball during that 10 to 15 year run. Um, that was one of my favorite moments. Absolutely. Just, you know, it's it's hard to really go beyond that one. You know, what's amazing about that is that I was actually on my way to my friend Jeff's house in Los Angeles. We were just having a a party and we're going to be watching the game and the Red Sox were losing by 
four runs. And when I got in there, he's like, oh, my God, you must be so upset right now. I was like, what do you mean? Like, I had to go down to the car, go drive to your house, and I was probably away from my computer or away from the game TV for about 25, 30 minutes. And he goes, yeah, but do you know what happened? I go, no. What did I miss? And he said, David Ortiz hit a home run. I said, oh, it's awesome. So now we're down by a few. He goes, Charlie, the bases were loaded. And I said, you're – I can't say what I said, but I said, you're joking, right? And he goes, no. They're replaying it again. And I was jumping up and down for a good 10 minutes to the point where the people who lived below, we met for the first time because I was that loud banging on their uh, on their ceiling, just going up and down. It was an amazing memory, and I absolutely agree with you on that one. And it, it was massive because we had lost game one. Lester pitched one of the best postseason games of his career but got blanked. And you're down five to one late in game two. So if you go down two to nothing, Red Sox probably don't win that series. We've pulled off bigger miracles, you know, going back to 04, but realistically the, the Tigers and then, and then game three was a one, nothing game, a solo shot by Mike Napoli won that one. So just insane. Absolutely insane. Wasn't it? Wasn't Verlander the pitcher for that one too? Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, yeah, he was. I think Verlander was the pitcher that game. And, and John Lackey for the Red Sox. And, and Lackey held That's right. One. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one other thing about that, Ortiz gets the glory, and he, he does deserve it, but Jared Saltalamacchia hit the walk-off to, to, find, to win it. So I wasn't yeah. a huge salty guy, but <laughs> credit where credit is due. All right. I'm going to go a little bit more on the personal side. Jason... What was your first vehicle you ever owned? Uh, first car I ever owned was a Ford Focus. Uh, one of the, probably one of the more boring cars you could own, but uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I initially it was not the car that I wanted. I wanted a, I don't know if you guys remember them, but they were is a Toyota Yaris. Oh yeah, um, I don't. I don't even know if they make those anymore, but I wanted a Yaris so bad. And I went to the Toyota lot and they had no Yaris's on the lot. They're like, yeah, we don't have one for you to test drive. I was like, ah, oh, well, this sucks. And I remember researching the Focus. It was like my last pick, but we went to the Ford lot and I found a bright red one. I think the color of it was vermilion red is what it was called. Um, it was bright red, but it had like chrome on parts of it. And, you know, it was, it was a small car. It got, you know, 140 horsepower. Like this was not a, you know, this was not a sexy car by any means, <laughs> but, um, but I test drove it. I loved it. And the Ford dealership was like, how many rebates do you want? We'll give you like a bunch of them. And I just, you know, the I'll, price came I'll down. Love I love the car. <laughs> Yeah, basically, they, they gave me a rebate because my parents owned a Hyundai. And they're like, oh, this is your first Ford? Here's like $1,000 off. I'm like, okay, sure, no problem. Um, so, yeah, like it wasn't my first choice, but I, I love that car. That Ford Focus lasted me 12 years. Wow. And, yeah, and it, it's still going. I traded it in for my new car. So someone else is driving that Ford Focus right now. It's still going. So Was it a hatchback? No, four door, four door sedan. Oh, yeah. four door sedan. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Go ahead, Charlie. 
My uh, my first car was a car that I bought off my my mom, who was going to get rid of it. Uh, it was a 1991 E190 Benz that was already in need of repair. And the best part about it was I paid my mom to drive me to school for an entire year because I still didn't have my license. So just to not get rid of the car, I had given my mom every penny I had just because I did not want to let go of that car. And it was still on the road an additional, I think it was 12 years after I got that car. So the car was 27 years old before it finally was kicking the bucket. It had almost 300,000 miles and that car had been literally everywhere. Uh, be, like an absolute wonderful car. Mercedes-Benz does not know how to make cars anymore. They're falling apart. They they don't even last 10 years. They're uh, a shadow of their former self, but that car was epic in every regard. I wish I could buy that car again. I miss it so much. What about you, Terry? What'd you have? Well, I wasn't going to answer, give my answers, you know, case it comes up when I'm on the hot seat, but okay, fair enough. I'll just throw fair it, enough, I'll enough. just throw it out there. I, I had a, um, uh, this was in 2001 when I bought it, but, uh, it was a 1996 Chevy S10 pickup. Some old guy drove it that my parents knew and it had, I think literally 8,000 miles on it. And it was in a garage the whole time, basically. So, um, Wow. So I got a pretty good deal on it. I, I think I only paid like 7,000 bucks for it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, I, it got beat up. Like my girlfriend backed into something with it. I had an 18 wheeler push another vehicle up basically onto the edge of my hood. At a, we were at a stoplight and he clipped her and pushed her onto me. And, but I liked it. It was a good truck, super reliable. I developed really good driving skills because it was only rear wheel drive, no four wheel drive, no weight in the back. So imagine driving that in the snow. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So that's what I uh, learned how to drive in. Yeah. <laughs> as far as winters. So oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think I was 18 that year. Yeah. I would have been 18 in 2001. All right. But go ahead. Your next uh, question, Charlie. So we're, we're going to keep this one baseball-related, Jason. So you told us about your favorite and most memorable Red Sox moment, and that is top two for me. You and I have almost the exact same moment. As far as moments for games that you have been to, what is your most memorable in-game Sox moment? Oh, that's an easy one. I, I had the pleasure of being at the Red Sox game where I believe it was against Toronto and Mookie hit the go ahead or walk off grand slam. Um, I, I think it was a go ahead grand slam at the moment. Yeah, it was go ahead, but <clears throat> that was, uh, I was there with my friend. I, I think Toronto had opened up at like a six, nothing lead or something like that. It was, they were blowing us out in the first part of the game. And my friend and I were like, God, this sucks. And, and we were like, you know what? Let's just take a walk around the ballpark because they're probably going to lose this game. Screw this. We were in like the third base grandstands at the time, like under the roof, like not, not terrible seats, but not great either. And so we started walking around. She's like, Oh, let's go up to like the Sam Adams deck because you know, as long as you're drinking at the Sam Adams bar, they'll let you up there. I'm like, okay, sure. We were at the Sam Adams bar when we heard the crack of the bat 
We knew the bases were loaded, but I was like, ah, it's Mookie. We'll, we'll see what happens. We heard the crack of the bat, and we both were just drinking sand, and, like, we saw the ball going out, and we lost our minds. It, it, it was, like, one of the most iconic, like, moments, at least for a game that I was at, but it was probably the most iconic Mookie Betts moment, too. Like, that's the one that they still replay that to this day on Nesson and, like, yeah. all over the place. It was such a great moment. Um, I, I feel like all the other games I've been to, they've kind of sucked. Like they've either just been regular sort of boring games or they've lost. So that was the one moment that really stood out to me. It's like, especially since the fact that like we were just roaming around the stadium, we didn't stay in our seats. We were just drinking beers in the Sam Adams deck. And then Mookie just hit a grand slam. I was like, wow, this is awesome. So that was really cool. I remember That's watching that one because they used it as a highlight reel for, for like the rest of the season. He, he kind of pimped it a little with his bat. He did. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. I remember that one. All right. I'll, uh, I'll use one of my baseball questions. Who is your least favorite Red Sox player of all time? Just someone you just hate the most. Jackie Bradley Jr. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I, well, okay. So is that's... Jackie Bradley Jr. But of all time. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, okay. Of all time, it's Wade Boggs. Really? I hated Wade Boggs. Wow. I hated Wade Boggs. Really? I, when I look at Wade or when I look at JD Martinez, I think of Wade Boggs. Just let me get my one for four. Let me get my RBI for the day. And then I'm going to go home. And, like, Wade Boggs is a little different because it was, like, with Boggs, he would go home and slug, like, a pack of Bud Lights, you know, and just whatever. Like, he just – he was a devil raid to me. He was never a Red Sox. And when they, when they retired his number, it was, like, extra insulting to me. I'm like, really? We're going to put this guy's number up there with Pedro and Ortiz and Yastrzemski and Williams and then Wade effing Boggs, that slob? Like, please, he, no, I couldn't stand the guy. I, I just, I, I never got into him. He'll always be a devil ray to me. Um, <laughs> in terms of all time Red Sox, I can't believe that people in this town worship that guy the way that he, the, the way they do. I'm actually surprised. I, I'm actually shocked. Wade Boggs is not a name that I expected. Like, this is a guy that had. I don't know, six, six years or seven years, eight years of 200 plus hits, 40 plus doubles. That was his thing. Like he, he was like the slapper. He could get singles and doubles. He wasn't a huge home run hitter. He had one year, which was a statistical anomaly. That's all I remember him doing. When, when I was older, I remember him as a, as a Tampa Bay Ray and as a Yankee. And I was like, but dad, you told me that he played for the Red Sox. Like, I don't remember him playing for the Red Sox when I was little. I just remember seeing him in pictures. Um, interesting. He had 2,000 hits as a Red Sox, too. Like, it's not like he was a schlub. He was a yeah, he kind like, of really he good hitter was, when he was though. in Boston. They didn't, they didn't win you when he was so? here. They didn't win. Uh, they didn't no, win with that's him. true. Yeah, he, just, yeah, he, just, he got his two for four for the day, and then went home and slugged a pack of Budweiser. Who cares? <laughs> He was useless. So the year that they should have won, the year that they should have won, it wasn't his fault. True. All right. All right. That's you know what? That's that's your guy. Okay. Fair enough. The see, baseball wasn't my first sport, as I've said on the the podcast before. Uh, but 
I remember Boggs more as a Yankee than anything, and so I thought it was a right. little dirty when they when they retired his number. So I I can definitely, um, you know, agree that that's a little annoying. Tom Warner must have been a big Wade Boggs fan for that to happen, or something. Somebody liked him that had a lot of clout, and 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 then he got his number retired because there there are some others that probably deserve it more. But yeah, so. Charlie's up now. Yeah, so I'm gonna switch it up because I can I can go baseball the whole time, but we'll change it up a little bit. What is your favorite Boston movie? Oh man, favorite Boston movie. Um, oh, it's probably still Boondock Saints. Um, oh, one. good movie. I love yeah. That. That good movie. It's not The Departed. I feel like The Departed is good the first time through, and then it loses steam as you watch it more, uh, mainly because Vera Farmiga, the girl who plays the girlfriend in that movie, is her Boston accent is horrendous. It's <laughs> so bad. Uh, the Town was really good. The Town is a close second. And I'm not usually a Ben Affleck fan, but that was a really good movie. But Boondock Saints is a St. Paddy's Day must watch kind of tradition for mine. Um, that's a great movie. Those two guys with Billy Connolly mixed in. It, yeah. Can't go wrong with that. Willem Dafoe, probably one of his better roles. Um, really good movie. That wasn't on my radar, but uh, I think it's an excellent choice. And one thing I noticed with The Departed, Leonardo DiCaprio's accent as the movie went on, like got worse and worse. Like he was okay in the yeah. beginning. Like I'm like, all right, he's, he's faking right. it good enough. And then, and then it fizzled. he, he did his best. Yeah. yeah. He did his best. I, um, him and Alec Baldwin, I would say, give them credit for trying. Um, everyone else did a pretty good job, but yeah, it, was, it, it suffered at times. Do you know what's funny is when you said boondock saints, I said, there's a 50% chance that's going to be the movie. Cause I felt like departed or the town would have been too simple. And knowing you and knowing what you enjoy doing like outside of, of baseball and work, I thought there's a pretty good chance he likes international movies. He'll probably like some of the actors. Uh, Norman Reedus is in it too. I'm a huge yep. Walking Dead fan, and that was one of his, I want to say one of his first films ever. Uh, I could be oh, yeah. mistaken, but I well, don't remember him in anything before Boondock. I was going to say, I don't watch The Walking Dead. Um, I hate zombies, so... <laughs> Zombie stuff doesn't interest me, so I only know Norman Reedus from that and, like, the video game he was in, uh, that Death Stranding game. That's about it. Oh, that's right. He was in that, too. That's yeah. that's actually a really good movie. I I'm really glad that you said that. That makes me happy. Yeah. All right. I, I'm up, so... Let's go with a little uh, dicier one, and uh, this one's especially dicey because... All of us behind the scenes know that Jason's mom is an avid listener of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. So this could be one of the tougher ones, but during your childhood, which of your two parents was the most psycho? Oh, that's actually easy. It was my mom. Um, so <laughs> it, was, it was love you, mom, eat it, but even she knows it's true. Um so my parents, my mother is an Italian from Watertown, and my father is an Englishman from Stockport, England. 
Um, he did not watch baseball before he got to this country. He only watched soccer. That was and well in cricket, but you know, in terms of sports that we actually care about. Um, he he was a soccer fan, Manchester United, England national team all the way. He can't he doesn't really like baseball. He'll watch it only because my mom makes him. Um, she was the one, the 2004 World Series, when the Red Sox finally broke the curse. My dad was in bed. He he didn't <laughs> no stay up for the way. game. He didn't care. What? He just he he was working and he was like, whatever, I don't care. I'm going to bed. My mom and I were up. And it like it took everything in her power not to scream her lungs out when folk threw the ball to Mankavich for the final out. Like it it took everything in her power not to wake my dad up. So she and she's the one, and it's not just Red Sox, like Patriots games, you know, oh, Lester, would you throw a strike? It's not hard. Just throw it down the middle. What's wrong with you? Like, <laughs> and she used more colorful language than that. Let me just say that too. So it, she's definitely the more psycho. Um, <laughs> my, my dad doesn't really get psycho. Like I've seen him get fired up, you know, when like he, he's a big Patriots fan, but you know, in terms of if England is close to an, to a world cup, he'll get fired up, but he never really shouts. He never really jumps up and down. He just sort of, even when England got eliminated from World Cup contention, like I think it was the last World Cup where they were in the semifinals, and he just sort of went, oh, well, that's a shame. Anyway, I'm going to make some tea. Like that's <laughs> that's just the way it is. Meanwhile, my that's mom would awesome. be like screaming her head off and trying to get somebody fired if the Red Sox, if that ever happened to them. So she's definitely the more psycho for yeah. sure. All right. Yeah. Go ahead, Charlie. Uh, to Jason's mom, because I think of all the parents that listen to our show, I think that she is by far the most dedicated. So uh, you're still a legend in my book. I approve. Absolutely. Um, this one is going to be, I I think, pretty, pretty basic. But we'll, we'll go here. Have you ever come close to catching a foul ball or a home run? Not even once. No. Um, I think the closer came was a couple of years ago. Um, so I, I started getting into this mode where whenever I went to a Red Sox game, I got seats in the center field bleachers. Um, I think the center field bleachers is the best place to watch a Red Sox game. Unless you can get the monster seats, obviously. But if you're looking at just affordable seats, that's the plus, best place to go. There was a home run that was hit that was caught probably about eight rows in front of me. Um, that was the closest I came. Foul balls, never. Um, I was either inside the nets or I was at too far of an angle that they wouldn't have gotten to me. Um, and home runs, that was probably the closest I came. Yeah. Charlie and I sat out in uh, basically center field, and I, I also like it as well. I mean, I... You yeah. can't sit down the uh, right field line, especially. Um, have my neck, you know, twisted toward the plate. But... I'll never, I'll never forget that day. I saved, uh, I saved a child from <laughs> yeah. getting absolutely dropped that night. <laughs> I was, uh, it wasn't a child. I mean, it was an immature eighteen-year-old punk who I wanted to see get smashed. Charlie and I were. We're yeah. opposites there. I'm like egging the guy on. I'm like making, you know, punching motions <laughs> to, to, to get it to happen. But, uh, yeah. 
I would have been on Terry's side for that one. Yeah, I, I, would, oh, I would have been like, yeah, sure smash this kid. He needs it. Yeah. Most 18 <laughs> yeah, year olds yeah. need that a dozen times, you know, before uh, at least the end of college. But yeah, uh, and he had it coming. <laughs> he definitely did. All right. So I did that one. All right. Let's go with, okay, this is kind of a niche one because I know Jason's into it and there's probably a percentage of our audience that is, but you're a big WWE fan, wrestling. Who's your favorite wrestler of all time? Oh, that's an easy one. Uh, my favorite wrestler of all time is Chris Jericho. Oh, um, I don't know if that's obvious by the way I fucking look, <laughs> but um, yeah, he's he's always been my favorite. Um, I'm actually, <laughs> I've actually, I've actually turned off from WWE a little bit, little bit. I I, I went over to the the dark side with AEW ever oh. since he went over there. So uh, he was always my favorite, though. Um, the only guy that, other than him, that I really liked was Rey Mysterio. Oh, Rey yeah. Mysterio was awesome. Yeah. Grew up on that guy. Like it was Rey Mysterio and Chris Jericho for me. Those two were the absolute best. My run was about 1991 to, to 2001. So uh, Mysterio was in WCW for obviously just about all of that, but he did win a title out of WrestleMania, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mr. He won in a uh, triple threat, I believe. Okay. Against like it was Triple H and someone else, but yeah, I thought yeah, he did win the title. Yeah, I used to put my brothers in the sharpshooter all the time. It was great. <laughs> I got grounded quite a few times for that, but yeah. So, sorry about the F bomb. I dropped. Yeah, the I, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. Whoops. My bad. If you're in your office right what now. What was the shirt? Oh, it's a sorry. It's a submission <laughs> hold where you basically bend their back in a by yanking their legs yeah. yeah you you fold their legs over oh. yours and you kind of like crank on their back yeah yeah you, they so s- what ray mysterio used to do that little that weird little tucking oh. i don't know what it was i i had a, a video game in the early 90s and ray mysterio was in there he was my favorite character because i loved his outfits yeah he, he was a man yeah, yeah he definitely you know a pioneer as far as lucha libre style and and WWE went, but okay. So Charlie, go ahead. Um, this we're we're gonna still kind of kick with the childhood here. What was your favorite toy as a child? Oh man, favorite toy. Um, are we talking like like physical toy? Or are we talking like like a, does a gaming console count? Like, um. Up for interpretation. So okay. whatever whatever I, you deem to feel I think my so I think my first okay. I think my first like figure toy that I really got pumped for was like the real big buzz lightyear toy. The one that you could push the buttons and he made all the different sounds, the wings would pop out, you could take the helmet off. Like I I was a big Toy Story fan. Um so I got like a, a really good Buzz Lightyear toy one year. And I loved it. Um, I thought it was great. Um, you know, in terms of beyond that, I mean, my first ever PlayStation was a game changer. That was just, you know, that that's when I really started to get into gaming. So was that um, PlayStation One? 
Yeah, yeah, I had the original PlayStation One with the the big gray box with the little flappy uh, thing for the discs. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So probably probably those two. Yep. Worst job you've ever had? Oh, easy, easy. I was a cashier at a Walgreens in Norwood, and I hated that job. So I I generally thought of myself as a pretty happy young man um you know not too cynical you know i always thought the best of people and then i worked in retail for not even two years at that walgreens and i yeah and i saw the worst of the worst of the worst come in um and it taught me to hate people it it taught (laughs) me that people generally suck uh they're generally selfish they look down on people who work in retail for no reason other than just they can um it was awful i hated that job i hated it like a poison um there were so many different just customers you know i gave them like the wrong change because you know god forbid i made a mistake and they would slam the change down on the counter and you know tell me i counted it wrong or you know the the problems person who would walk behind the cash register and take all the cigarette packs and, you know, me being a high schooler, not wanting to, like, I don't know, get stabbed or shot trying to call security. Like, it was it was a pretty bad job. Um, yeah, working in retail sucks. I have nothing but the utmost respect for people who work in retail now. Um, but it did. It, it taught me to hate people, and it taught me to respect those who work in retail. So I guess for that, it was kind of worth it, but it was an awful job. I hated it. Did you see dudes coming in with ski masks at all? Like was that No. Oh, okay. It it never quite got to that, but I definitely saw um a lot of questionable people come into the store. Yeah. Yeah. Up here they like to rob uh the oxycodone and oxycotton from from them. We just had one guy he robbed like four in one day and they finally just caught him a few days ago. There you go. Yeah. Yep. All right. Go ahead, Charlie. Uh, that's yikes. Hope, hope everyone's okay. Uh, I'm going to say this one. What is your favorite Boston word with an accent? (laughs) Um, I love calling people chief, uh, (laughs) especially if they annoy me or especially if I'm trying to antagonize them. There is nothing better than throwing chief at the end of a sentence when you're trying to antagonize someone in this state. Like, it's the best. You ever get into a bar fight, and you're just like, yeah, you get a swing, Chief? Yeah, you got to go for a Chief? Go for a Chief. Come on, let's go. It it annoys them so much, and I love it. So Chief is probably, and I use it, like, in the car to, you know, typical roid rage. Like, oh, nice blanket, Chief. Yeah, way to go. That's really, yeah. Nice nice turn there, Chief. Way to go. Yeah, that's that's my favorite. That's a good one. I, I like to call people cupcake. If they're, especially if they're more aggressive towards me, I'm like, okay, cupcake. Oh yeah. 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 All right. Um, I called a, I called a a police officer pal once or bud. I said, Hey bud. (laughs) And then realized as soon as I did, I was like, uh, I don't think that was the right word. That's I, can I get a do over? Yeah. Yep. Your favorite sport to play in high school. Uh, well, 
high school it's it's tough because i wasn't allowed to play many sports because my high school was very much like oh you're not six foot and you're not on steroids you can't play <laughs> um so i was only allowed to do cross country but if i could have played uh it absolutely it would have been baseball second to that would have been hockey um i i i loved baseball i loved playing baseball i would play with my friends like i was i think a pretty slick infielder um didn't have much of a swing but i could feel the ball and i could throw pretty well and i had good speed so i felt like if i could have played in high school i would have been really good um but you know shout out to westwood high you know if you're not jacked up on steroids you don't get to play so that was it subtle call out yeah yeah a little <laughs> bit a little, little bit a little bit you know all right so for for my next one here uh what is your favorite boston restaurant Ooh, boston restaurant or you can just say boston area boston okay yeah um boy that's that's there's a lot of good ones around here oh man um i would probably say that you know what i honestly the best meal i had at least in terms of like going there before a game to have a couple of drinks have a good meal whatever is the fours and rest in peace it's no longer there uh but it, it used to be right next to the TD Garden. Um, the Fours is great. That whole area is great, but the Fours was awesome. They, they had really good food. Um, they had great drink specials. Um, you couldn't beat the location, too. You could literally walk to the garden from there. Um, it's a shame that they went out. I know that they have other locations, but the Fours was always just, it was like a Boston Institute to me. Um, it's a shame that that place didn't survive, but I, I always loved it. I loved going there before a Bruins game. It was just, you couldn't beat it. It was the perfect pregame spot. Did the pandemic shut it down? Is that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. They, they, they closed it during the pandemic. I think it was mostly because like I said, they have other locations. So I think that just got too expensive to keep that one up. But okay. gotcha. Yeah. Mine's kind <clears throat> of a spinoff of that one. What's a restaurant that your girlfriend loves, but you're not a big fan? If, if there is one, like which one are you taking one for the team by going to? Oh man, um, it sounds like there's a lot of them. No, it, it actually that's the good thing. There aren't. I, I'm trying to think of one that she likes that I really don't. Um, because we we generally like the same place. Okay. There's there's a Chinese food restaurant in her hometown that they're open late and it's it's a typical Chinese food restaurant like but they've got a bar so the bar's open late it's one of the only places in her hometown that's open till like 1 2 a.m. Um, the food looked okay it didn't look great and just it's a trashy bar it's it's one of those like got kind of taken over by the townies bar it just i don't know it, it's 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 called the golden china like it's just a typical like you know trashy chinese bar that kind of fronts is like we're a bar that's open too late but hey we're a chinese restaurant you know it, it's it's just a little bit trashy and the food is average at least from what i saw i didn't eat there 
but the food looks average, it, you know, and just the people that go in there, like the amount of random people that we had come up to us, like telling us random stories about whatever the hell we're like, okay, well, this is great. And so every now and then when she's like, Oh, do you want to go there for like a late night drink? I'm like, let's go here instead. How about that? <laughs> let's, let's go somewhere else actually. Yeah. Chinese food is like the most hit or miss type of food there is. Like yeah. it, it literally took me like I agree. in the town that I live in, it was like my fourth try where I'm like, okay, all right. I do like this place. The other three, not great. If it's, if it's not great pizza, it's like, all right, well, I'm not, I wasn't a fan, but yeah, it was edible. That, and, you know, <laughs> that was the hardest part of living in Florida. No good Chinese food down there. Oh no. Mm. terrible atrocious chinese food down there no gotcha you know what's crazy is the chinese food that we have here in the u.s is not actually like real authentic chinese food like if you were to yeah if you were to bring somebody who's of chinese descent to one of our spots they'd be like what is this stuff like it's american chinese food and that's what we're we're struggling to find like a good fake chinese food place which is hilarious yeah um my uh my next question for you um i think it's me right yeah um of the players that you've had the opportunity to like get the attention of uh that you've seen on the red Sox or opposing teams which player do you like the most oh that i've gotten the attention of um probably daniel bard uh we okay my family and i saw daniel bard after a spring training game down in fort myers and we were kind of like by the exit a lot of the players were driving out and he actually took time to like stop and get some autographs like talk to people i never personally got his autograph i was not a big like get up and get the autograph kid because i was very shy um so i just kind of hung back but he he was very much like, okay, I'm going to stop and take my time here. Like everyone else was like blitzing out of that parking lot. They couldn't wait to get back. Uh, but he was the one guy that sort of, he, he stuck around. So I always remembered that about Barr. That's one of the reasons I rooted for him when he came back with Colorado. It's like, he, he was always a genuinely pretty nice guy. He seemed very down to earth. Yeah. Seems uh, I like Danny Bard. Seems that way to me. I, I was definitely rooting for him. Here's a good one. Was the moon landing fake? Oh, <laughs> uh, um, you know what? Just to troll any of our Russian viewers, no, it was not. We beat you to it too bad. Um, no, I, I genuinely don't think it was. I, I think we got up there. Um, I don't know. I like. I, I've. I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy, so maybe that's part of it too. I'm just willing to be like, oh, that that happened. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't spend too much energy on it. But yeah, I think we, I think we got up there. Sure, why not? I tweeted out today. It was just a random Terry thought on a cold December day because I, I didn't have any Red Sox. I'm like, in 60 years, you went from horse and buggy to being on the moon. And since then, we haven't landed on any planet. You know, I don't know. It's been about, you know, 50, 60 years. So I thought, all right, that's going on the show tonight. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's a fair one. But 
But we got Shatner up in a rocket, so you know that that counts for something. We did. That's so, true. Yeah. Uh, best pulled over by the cop story or college party story that involved the cops. Um, I have one of each. Uh, so to tie into my first job, I was pulled over after working at Walgreens the first night I had my license. Um, and that's because the car that I learned to drive in had automatic lights. And then as like a reward, my parents gave me my dad's Audi to drive to work. And that did not have automatic lights. And I worked the four to 11 shift. And uh, this is kind of the curse of having really good eyesight. I didn't notice that the lights weren't on when I was driving home. So I got pulled over. Uh, and in and this was in Norwood. And in my Walgreens vest, the guy made me get out of the car and do a sobriety test, uh, which was kind of hilarious. He like actually thought I was out drinking, even though I had a Walgreens vest on with my stupid name tag and like dress pants and everything else. So I had to get out of the car and do a full sobriety test in my Walgreens vest. Um, he obviously just let me off with a warning, but that kind of sucked. And then first college party that the cops were involved, I went to, I was in a fraternity in college. I know, shocking, but I was. And we were at a house party. I was under 21. We were, you know, typical thing, beer pong in one room, weed smoking in the other, you know, big backyard doing whatever. And I was probably about seven Coors Lights in. And this guy just comes running in. He just goes, cops, cops, cops. And he was like panicked and out of his brain. And I just had a full, I had like half full Coors Light in my hand. I just chucked it in the garbage and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to stand here. There were people running. There was one guy who ran out the backyard, jumped over the hedges, went through a bunch of neighbors' yards to try and get back to campus. We were probably a good three miles from campus, but he was like, I can make it. Like, and there was a major highway separating us. He, he jumped through a bunch of neighbors' yards and we, talked to him the next day he's like oh yeah i made it it's like i just ran down the highway we're like jesus <laughs> but yeah the cops came that night and you know they took my id but they're like yeah we're not after you i was like thanks i'm gonna go home now so yeah, yeah. fun times <laughs> all right uh let's see here's another one is the institution of marriage a giant scam the institution of marriage, meaning what? Like monogamy and like. It could be anything. I mean, most marriages end in divorce and uh -huh. it's just, is it an outdated concept at this point? Yeah, I, I guess I would largely say it's outdated. Um, but it, I, I recognize that it still means a lot to a lot of people. So I don't see with marriage, I've always been like, yeah, that I'm, I'm going to get married. Like, that's not, I, I don't rail against that. It's not, it's not something that really means that much to me. Um, in terms, in terms of like the whole spectacle about it, you know, like I don't believe in spending 30 to 50 grand on a wedding, you know, and, and all that stuff. I think that's egregious and that's kind of outrageous. Um, but wedding as an ins or marriage as an institution uh yeah is it a little outdated sure
but I also, I kind of butt my head against like this whole idea now of we're in 2021, almost 2022. So everything from the past is stupid and we've got to get rid of that. And like, it's, you know, it's dumb and we're smarter than the other generation. Like, no, I, th I think marriage still ma matters to a lot of people. And um, I know that like, for me, it matters. I want to get married. Um, now that being said, like, I want to get married, but I don't necessarily care if my partner takes my last name. I think stuff like that is antiquated. Like, does she have to take my last name? No, that's dumb. Like, who cares? My last name is Kelly. Like, there's a lot of Kellys in the world. It's not, you know, it's not going to go amiss necessarily. So um, I think parts of it are antiquated and outdated, but I think parts of it are still kind of important. See, I'm I'm the type of guy. At every wedding I go to, I set like an over under with like a couple people. All right, six years for these guys, you know. I, I don't know. That's we, just how to, I am. to be fair, we all deep down do that. <laughs> deep down, we all do that. Nobody wants to admit it, but we all do it. And the the thirty to fifty grand wedding, never. People, those oh, are the automatics. Yeah. I'm taking the under every time. No, I've never done that. <laughs> I've never done that. Oh my God. That's like doomsday folks. Like just patiently waiting. Um, this next one is kind of light after some, some heavy ones in there, some heavy hitter shots. Uh, at the movie theater, candy or popcorn? And if candy, what's your candy choice? Wait, sorry. You cut off for the first part. Is this at a movie theater? Yes. At a movie okay. theater, yeah. Candy or popcorn, and if candy, what's your candy choice? Okay, it's it's always candy for me. Um, I'm not a big popcorn guy because it's it just gets too much after a while, and I get full. And the candy of choice is Junior Mints. Ah, nice. Junior Mints, yeah. I'm a big Junior Mints guy. So um, either that or snow caps. Snow caps are really good too, but Junior Mints and snow caps. Snow caps. What is Those are like the, the chocolate ones with like the white frosting on top. They're like little discs. They're really good. Oh, actually. those. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, Follow-up question, though. Do you buy it at the theater or do you smuggle it? No, I'm I'm too much of a good citizen. I buy it at the theater. So <laughs> I, I pay I pay the upcharge and pay nine bucks for a box of junior mints because I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm too much of a coward to smuggle it in because I'm afraid they'll see it. So <laughs> I'm a smuggler. I'm like and I'll be the first guy, like my box will be loaded. I'll put my hands on the wall and be like, All right, go ahead, give me a pat down. You know? <laughs> Let's bust me for bringing in candy. Yeah. But uh yeah. <laughs> This is my last one. I, I don't know if Charlie has uh, another one after. I think we stayed in order pretty good, but this one kind of is uh, could potentially be Red Sox related. Uh, who is your least favorite Boston writer or media personality? Oh man, um, in general, it's probably well. Okay, favorite least or least favorite, favorite. Yeah. least favorite. I'm not a big Lou Merloni guy. Really? I I know everyone loves Lou, but he he annoys me at times. I don't know if he's my least favorite. It's either him or uh, Pete Abe. I think Pete Abe is a boob, and and I think that he's just he's the classic like he wants to be the critical guy who's like I'm gonna be hard on the team and you know I'm gonna be a real writer and really report on them, but then 
when he when it comes down to it, he'll always write the softy piece and he'll always back down. And you know, and he was also a big Jackie Bradley guy, which annoys me too. Like as soon as Bradley went somewhere else, he's like, Well, the Red Sox are gonna suffer without him. You wait and see. You don't understand how valuable he is. Yeah, we went to the ALCS without him, Pete. But yeah, good good job there. Nice nice reporting, Pete. Um, I, I and he's so I think Pete Abe is the answer, but close seconds would be Lou and Alex Spear too. I think Alex Spear is John Henry's puppet. I think John Henry has his hand firmly up Alex Spear's back backside, and just you know I need you to write something statistically good about the team. Okay, John, and he just does it. So, Pete Abe is the real answer, though. He's he's a boob. I love it when, and I don't think it happened, uh, or or it has happened since the pandemic. But they used to bring Alex Spear into the Nesson booth, and he'd oh, be yeah. sitting next to Dave O'Brien, and they're both like nerdy as hell looking. You know, it's almost like they're gonna compare their bug collections or something. <laughs> like I'm like, which one of these two nerds? Got the most atomic wedgies, you know, in high school. Yeah. <laughs> They're pretty, yeah. Yeah, all right. Was that it, Charlie? Did you go through all yours? Yeah, man, that was 10 for me. All right, wow. 10 for me. So I don't know if we let Jason off easy or, or what, but uh, I, I tried I to like bring I, it with a couple of them. Yeah, I feel like I survived for the most part, yeah. <laughs> You did well. You passed. Yeah. Well, all right. We'll uh, potentially do another one of these next week and hopefully do at least one a week uh, for the rest of the lockout. And if we can come up with some random stuff to throw on here, we'll do that. Um, If we get really lucky, the lockout will end and uh, we'll get back to baseball. But everybody have a good rest of your week. Get your Christmas shopping done, and because uh, it's uh, it's coming up. Take care.